Because I heard a what I believe was not a joke rumor that he, they hired an acting coach to help him in this film, which is such great synergy with his last role. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, you know, would that it were so so simple yeah. that an acting coach could help him. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, we'll we'll get into it. I think a interesting character coach would have been more important. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 501 with a review of Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we're back. We've had a little bit of a hiatus. A little, um, little bit of a detour, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, things have been going on. Lots of changes happening in the world. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, where, where have you been, Stephen? Oh, all over the place. <laughs> so <laughs> because Tribeca and SF Film Festival wasn't enough for me, I did uh, whirlwind three days in Cannes in France. And then a day after that, I flew to French Polynesia on the other side of the world for a week there. And in a few days, I'm going to Korea for a business trip. So feeling a little loopy right now, but I'm glad could still make time for what matters, which is the new fucking solo movie <laughs> and recording a podcast episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, that, how, how was Ken? It was good. It was um, it was crazy. So I think what I imagined from Ken is it's kind of like, you know, hard to get into. You need an invitation, and therefore it's going to be intimate. Like that. That was sort of the vibe that I got. It's like artsy movies in a little town on the French Riviera, and it's going to be like Tribeca on steroids, right? Because when we went to Tribeca. Every time we went to a premiere, it was like, oh, Common is sitting next to us. Oh, hey, Michael Shannon's in, like, pajamas <laughs> two rows down. <laughs> um, and Cannes is not like that at all. Cannes is way more like Coachella or something. Okay. Like, granted, most of the people there are not badge holders. They can't get into the movies. But because the red carpet is, like, such a big cultural event, Cannes is, like, packed with people all the time. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy. And I think to, like, a first-time goer, it's pretty hard to find your way around. Um, so the the pass that I got to go into, the, like, quote, young cinephile pass, gave you three days. So the last three days of the festival. The festival is, like, 11 days long or something. Um, and it, that means, whereas most people see, like, one or two movies a day at the festival, I was trying to cram, like, every possible movie I could into, like, a really, really, really tight window. And it's it's weird because there's different theaters in Cannes. So there's like the Grand Lumiere, which is where all the... I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce French words. So <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to Americanize them. The Lumiere Theater is like a the giant theater with the red carpet. That's where all the premieres happen. That's where you have to dress in like a tuxedo or a ball gown in order to get in. Okay. I opted for tuxedo. You know, I feel like it <laughs> flatters my legs better. Um, and that one is like crazy crazy so you need an invitation to get to that so having a badge isn't enough like you petition to get invited to be allowed in that theater otherwise you there are two options you either stand in like a last minute line where you need to get there like at least 90 minutes early if you want a shot at getting in or you stand around in the street holding up signs in french saying like 
please give me an invitation to this movie. Because <laughs> um, the dynamic of Cannes is like, most of the people who are invited don't care about movies. It's like, it's industry people, so they care a little bit, right? Like yeah. they're adjacent to the film industry in some way, but they, they're not like hardcore movie lovers. So, so like, it's like adopt a stranger who wants to be in the movie yeah, type no, of situation? No, no. So it's absolutely true. Like I, I didn't know any of it. I didn't look up anything when I was going to Ken. But when I got there, I just saw like littering the street where all these people with badges like me, like young people mostly, in tuxedos <laughs> holding up signs that had scrawled in it like burning invitation Cebu play <laughs> and they're basically just like begging for invitations and it, i don't think that works necessarily but people try to do it are people um, just walking out with roses and like handing them and okay so i'll tell you the one story so i i got there on a wednesday I, my badge was supposed to work thursday friday saturday and so the way the way they did it is there's the official screenings which are like Every day, two movies premiere in the competition, and then there's in certain regard, which is like a secondary track where other things premiere. Um, and then there's like a little theater that does some reruns, if you're lucky, of movies from the day before, and that's it. So like if if I wanted to see a movie that premiered a week ago, I'm not going to be able to do it in those days, probably. Gotcha. Uh, so to alleviate that, they opened up a second theater just for this like three days in Cannes young cinephile thing that was all about playing all the movies that you might have missed um the rub of that theater is subtitles were only in french not in english uh maybe some people are bilingual-ish enough that like that would have worked for them but for me that was no good so basically from that theater i could only see english or french movies because french movies would get the english subtitles gotcha otherwise i had to plan my navigate my route in the main festival instead in order to do that um so anyway the first day i get there I land at like 4 p.m. I'm super exhausted. Um, I don't understand what's going on at all. It's sweltering hot. I hadn't thought about the fact that you're in like the Mediterranean in the summertime. It's going to be really hot. Um, (laughs) And I'm just walking around like sleep deprived. I find where I get my badge. It's like big line. There's crowds of people everywhere. I see these weird signs like begging for movie invitations. It's all just like very overwhelming when I get there. And when I picked up my badge, I asked the woman... So can I use this today? Like, can I get in the the Palais, uh, like the main area where all the official theaters are? Um, can I get in this? Uh, can I get in this area with my badge? And she was like, No, you can't get in until tomorrow. So you know, I give up. I go back to my Airbnb. I get ready to crash. I've been up for like thirty hours or whatever at this point. And then, like, there was a movie premiere called Burning by Lee Chang Dong. So it's a Korean movie um, based on a Murakami book, who's an author that I. I'm familiar. I don't love him, but like I've read a lot of his stuff. Um, anyway, so this was like a movie that had a lot of buzz going on, and it was going to have a premiere at six thirty. And at like six ten, I see David Ehrlich is tweeting from like the line for the premiere because he's going. Obviously, journalists get into their special press screenings all the time, um, and he was tweeting about how excited he was, and like he was showing a picture of everyone waiting in line to see it in the rain. And I was thinking like fuck it, why don't, I, why don't I try, right? Like, it can't hurt to just see what happens if, like, I go over there. So in, like, five minutes, I put on the tuxedo, I figure out how the bow tie works, sort of. <laughs> and then I run, like, the half mile from my Airbnb in the rain in the tuxedo to try to get to that uh, giant premiere before 6.30. And I don't know why I'm running, right? Like, people have been begging. I see people with signs asking for invitations. They haven't gotten any. Yeah. Like, there's no point. But it's like, what the hell? Why not? So I run. 
And right when I get to the entrance, this like French guy walks up to me and starts like asking me something. And I'm like, no, I don't want any. I don't want any. <laughs> and then he was like, no, 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 no. And he just hands me an invitation to burning. <laughs> and I like stare at it. And he's like, go, 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 go. Um, and so like I race in. It's way after closing time. Like people walk the red carpet like, you know an hour through 15 minutes before the movie starts but the security guards let me in and like they run me up the red carpet and somebody finds me a seat and i got to see like the premiere of what wound up being the best rated movie to ever premiere at can ever nice. um, now i don't believe it fully deserves that like i liked it i didn't <laughs> i didn't love it but still it, it was like an interesting moment to get to go to after like having just landed in the plane and being told i wasn't allowed in the festival yet um yeah yeah, I don't know. Seems, seems legit. <laughs> so I kind of got the swing of things over. The, like the next day it was annoying because the, the thing is only the evening galas do you need to wear the tuxedo. But if you're trying to stack movies all throughout the day, you're not going to really have time to go home and change or anything. Yeah, yeah. So what it amounted to was like you're just in the same one tuxedo all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first day was pretty rough. There's also rules where – most of the screenings, the lines to get into the screenings are inside security. And security doesn't allow food or drink mm. more than a tiny, tiny, tiny water bottle. Which means, like, you're basically, like, waiting in line without any way of eating. And if you want to be able to eat before your next movie, you would need to leave security and leave the lines and then go back in again. And it's, like, it basically is a situation that strongly encourages you to starve yourself and not yeah. drink any water. Um so the first day was pretty uncomfortable. I still caught, like, a few movies that I liked a lot. Uh, but by the second day, I had learned, like, keep the tux jacket in the bag. Don't worry about a tuxedo shirt. Just wear whatever fucking white shirt you want. Keep a bow tie in your pocket. Wear comfortable shoes. Like, I started to get the drift of things a little bit more. So by, by the end, it was really nice. And I was happy. I got to catch most of the movies that people were talking about after the festival. Um so, like, just a few highlights that I think will probably come to the U.S. at some point. So, Black Klansman, obviously, that's coming to the U.S. Spike yeah. Lee's new movie. That was awesome. Love, love that movie. That was great. Um, there's a movie called Shoplifters, which won the Palme d'Or. Uh, it was a Japanese film. Probably my favorite thing that I saw in the festival. Really, really, really moving drama that's, like, very, like, powerful and heartfelt. But then it has really clever twists at the end that kind of turn things on their head. It, it was a really, really good movie. Um, I like this one called The Wild Pear Tree. I have no idea when it'll come to the U.S. It's a Turkish movie by the guy who did uh, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia or Winter Sleep. I don't know if you've heard of either of those, but nope. they're both like <laughs> two and a half to three plus hour movies that Jesus. are like long slow burners. Um, and I, so I made it to the premiere of that one too. And it was kind of like boyhood and before midnight but turkish <laughs> um and like really beautifully shot it was it was like an, an epic about a young man who's trying to become a writer and he kind of just like wanders around having philosophic conversations with a bunch of people it was really cool it's hard with subtitles because uh. you have in, in the main theater too you have a giant screen which is just showing the movie and the French subtitles. And then there's a separate bar underneath the screen where English subtitles get projected. Huh. So your eyes are doing like a little bit of extra work if yeah, you yeah. want to uh, be able to see everything. But that one, except for the fact that I had to pee before the movie started, it was three hours long. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're always seated. bragging about how you can go on like 24-hour plane rides it without worked. having to go to the bathroom. I so. didn't have to pee at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was seated in the 
like that was one of those last minute lines I waited in, and I got seated in the second to the front row, like so surrounded by like the celebrities, and the director was like you know a few rows behind, and it was it was really really cool. Saw Kate Blanchett and Denis Villeneuve and all that good stuff. Nice. I did give a head nod to Benicio del Toro, and he gave it back to me at one screening, <laughs> which is pretty much the most accomplished thing that's ever happened to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. There were other Under the Silver Lake is coming out soon. I I like that one. I think you're gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> not not you, the audience. He means specifically me. Yeah, yeah. Chris is gonna hate it. Everybody else will probably like it pretty well. Um, another one I really really liked that I have no idea if it's ever gonna come to the U.S. is a movie called Dogman, which didn't get like amazing reviews at the festival. But it's an Italian movie movie by the director. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but. The last movie he did, big movie he did, was called Gamora, which is like a really cool mafia gangster movie set in modern day Italy. Um, and this is a movie about like a guy who is—he's not really a criminal. He's just like one of the semi-good guys. He's like Artie Bucco in The Sopranos. He's like a guy who's in with the gangsters. Like he just wants to get along with his neighbors and like not have anything bad happen to him. He grooms dogs for a living, uh, so he has like this pastime where he kind of tames big burly angry creatures and makes them look all cute (laughs) and pleasant and he has this friend this tony soprano type of bully who basically slowly destroys his life and then he gets his comeuppance and it's it's fucking rad (laughs) it's really cool so yeah those are things that i would i would look for whenever they come to america um yeah I think that's it. If I ever get to go again, I hope it's for longer than three days. I managed to catch 10 or 11 movies while I was there, which is pretty good given the two-hour lines you have to wait in in order to get into any movie. Um, But I would love to go again in, like, a more relaxed pace where you can maybe, like, breathe and eat lunch, (laughs) eat anything before midnight. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's Ken. Cool. Well, I I bet, Stephen, that while you're waiting in those hot, hot lines that you wish you had Mack Weldon underwear. (laughs) (laughs) So now you need to tell me a little bit about your own life. You saw Deadpool 2, which we never got a review Uh, of. Yeah, I mean, we don't (laughs) – I don't need to take very much time to talk about it. Uh, But uh, I thought Deadpool 2 was fantastic. Um, Was going to maybe try to put together a review with a new guest, but uh, that guest chickened out. And if he's listening right now – Calling you out, man. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it is an incredibly smart film. Uh, it didn't just try to be funny like the first one did. It actually did a lot of clever things with the narrative it was trying to tell, and uh, you know, like the meta commentary that it does on the stories that it's trying to ape. And I think it was like legitimately very very good. And uh, would have been nice to do a review um, and see your thoughts on it, Stephen. But. Um, been a very very busy few weeks oh yeah yeah so chris moved this week we won't say where so all the rabid fans won't come to his apartment you won't try to get to me um that's right there's people that keep you away from me now in the apartment um uh but yeah so i spent a lot of time packing up my old place and moving over to the new place which i'm still setting up so we're taking some time taking some time away from setting up the new apartment to come here and bring you guys a review of solo a star wars story um so What do you say, Stephen? We just get into it? Let's do it. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Solo, A Star Wars Story, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. (laughs) 
you're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. <laughs> L3! Let's go with a mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might wanna buckle up, baby. some advice we assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed i got a really good feeling about this since when do you know how to fly 190 years old you look great push it So, Solo, a Star Wars story, is the story of a little a little man named Han Solo, um, who, uh, you know, th- th- this is basically the origin of, you know, things like how he gets his ship, how he gets his name, how he does the Kessel Run. <laughs> like, uh, it's basically, it's, it's another one of the spinoffs in the franchise, prequel going back to the origin- origins of this character, how he meets all of his buddies, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think this is necessarily one that we've all been chomping at the bit for, um, at least not here in this room currently. Um, maybe other people out there were. I think you expressed more excitement than I did for the trailer, at least. I remember you using the word rad. Not that you withhold that word. Often, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> no, there, there. I, I think uh, one of the trailers was pretty rad. Um, uh, but I think that it, it wasn't necessarily, this wasn't necessarily a story that I thought needed to be told. At least it wasn't a story that like I was like, you know what I really wonder about? I want to know about this Han Solo fellow when he was younger. <laughs> um, but I mean, unlike with, with Rogue One, like I, I was legitimately like, I'm into this. Like, I want to know, show me the story. Like, this is going to be super awesome or rad. Um, and I think that this was more like a thing. I think when, when it was first announced um, that our, 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 our friend, uh, how, how you dance so well with all them nanners on your head, uh, that he was going to play Han Solo. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I can see it. Like, this, this could totally happen. Um, how, did you hear the rumors that he did, in fact, need an acting coach in this movie? Because I heard a, what I believe was not a joke rumor that he, they hired an acting coach to help him in this film, which is such great synergy with his last role. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that... Uh, you know, would that it were so simple yeah. that an acting coach could help him? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, we'll we'll get into it. I think a interesting character coach would have been more important. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we we so we do know that like um, that they that basically after you know the first group of people after Lord and Miller were no longer part of the project and Ron right. Howard came in to like fix everything. We know that like he like reshot seventy percent of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so um, who knows what parts of these performances were like? Oh, I got to do this again. I just had an acting coach. Yeah. <laughs> Far be it from us to guess which is which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's probably, probably, you know, it, yeah. Uh, I think it was more like, oh, I just did this. The one take was good. Can we just use the other take? Um, we'll, but, we'll just use a sack of potatoes instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so we're we're gonna talk about this film. Um, Stephen Miller, why don't you why don't you jump in first and uh, let us know what you thought of this film? Okay, so we were joking a bit about the acting. And I am actually going to go on the record and say I don't really blame the actors at all for my criticisms of this movie, even including uh, Alden Ehrenreich. I think, like, given what he had to do, he did a good Han Solo. I was actually totally fine with him. I was fine with everyone. I didn't find them intrinsically stilted in the sense that, like, they were giving bad performances or anything. I think this movie, the first half of this movie is a shitty movie. <laughs> I think... As it goes along, it gets progressively better, and it stuck the landing in a way where I didn't leave angry. Like, I, I left, like, I don't want to see another one of those, but I'm not unhappy that I saw it either. Like, I, I don't really know what happens. Like, the, when the movie opens, I think I tried to avoid reviews of this because it had been out for a while, and even at Cannes, like, everyone was talking about it because it premiered there, but I didn't want to waste time watching Solo. Wait, at Solo premiered at Solo Cannes? premiered at Cannes, yeah, this year. Jesus um, Christ. At, a, at a time that I was there, but How? I yeah, at a time How that I was there, but I was movie... watching another movie instead because I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste one of my ten movies to watch a movie <laughs> that comes out in like literally five days from now. Yeah, yeah. it might, it might have been helped by French subtitles. I, I mean, don't know. no, it, it didn't premiere in competition. Sometimes they do that with blockbusters. Oh they yeah, just, they just like, show it for the first time. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, fun trivia that I might be getting wrong. I almost want to Google. You want to know a movie that did premiere in competition at Cannes? Freddy got fingered. Uh, Shrek. <laughs> I believe I believe that is true. I believe Shrek two premiered Shrek in two. competition at Cannes. At least, at least if it was Shrek one, I could understand people thinking the novelty of like mashing up all these nursery rhymes <laughs> would be interesting. But Shrek two, Shrek two is the best Shrek. You can't you you can't argue that. I mean, if the film you're 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 talking about starts with yep, the I, word I just looked Shrek. it up. I'm showing Chris in competition at Cannes. <sighs> Shrek two. <laughs> What was uh, the it would never it would never premiere now. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I think at the time, like the animation was very impressive or something. I don't. I don't know what else to to make of it. Hmm. Well, anyways, and comedy is an international language. So unimportant. Yeah. So. I, I don't even remember what I was saying before that. Uh, you didn't leave angry, uh, yeah. but the beginning of the movie is shitty. Yeah. So so anyway, I I ignored reviews, but one review that I do remember just like a little tweet was solo isn't a movie. It's a Wikipedia article. And for the first half of the movie, I really felt that criticism. It felt like from, from the get go, it felt stilted to me. You know, I I felt like we're kind of introduced in the middle of the action. We don't really know the characters yet, which is fine. But the, the pace was just kind of off. Like it didn't feel like it was trying to introduce us to anyone in an interesting way. It was just like, this is how we were brought up. This is how we escaped. This is how X happened. Three years later, this happened. And These it, are dice that are going to be important exactly. eventually. <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of very conscious callbacks that they were really leaning into. Like, I had already heard criticism of the 
the moment when we learn Han Solo, like where he got his last name. I had no idea just how early in the movie that was going to happen. <laughs> they really they blow that in like the first ten minutes or something. Yeah, uh, and it, it is pretty groan worthy. Uh, so I really didn't. I don't even want to say like why I disliked it. It's just the first half didn't feel like a movie to me. It felt like actors playing dress up to try to remind us of characters in this universe that we like, but it didn't feel like it had anyone shaping the movie into like an arc that would maybe build tension or cause us to care about certain characters. Um, And when I said before that I don't really blame the actors, I, I think what they need is a compelling character coach. It's because I just think, early Han Solo is not an interesting character, right? You can't you can't do much with him at all because in the beginning of the Star Wars movies proper, he is, like, not a good guy yet. He's a random smuggler who has to be convinced to join the good guys team. And, like, at the end of New Hope, he kind of begrudgingly becomes the good guy. And so that's the character you have to build to. And now you're showing a prequel to but- this character, and you're trying to build an arc where we root for him by, like, causing... I don't, I don't know. Like, oh, just from the get-go, I think the premise is hard to make a good movie about, you know? Yeah. Um, And it, it just... There's lots of jokes that other people liked a lot. Like, other people latched on to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's robot as being really funny. I honestly felt like in my theater, I couldn't hear her lines very well. They were kind of, like, delivered in a rush. I had to think about them later and see, like, oh, wait, was that a joke? Did she say equal rights? Oh, yeah, that was probably a joke that she said there. It it all just played in, like, a very, like, rushed way where it didn't – it felt competently made, but it didn't feel like it was made in a way that cared to make the audience be in on I mean, anything. I mean, it it is it is a rush. Like, yeah. she, the character is literally rushing mm-hmm. and trying to do things to cause things to move forward in a literal rush. So it's like yeah. it, it's, it is – it is meant to be that way. And I, I did very much enjoy those scenes. Um, but I mean, I think that like, you know, even even in like the Knights of the Old Republic video games, like you always had like wisecracking cra- robots that were cool to have as companions that wanted to do stuff. And I think that her character was was fun and I enjoyed it. But it was like so little of the film that it sort of just didn't really matter. It was like droids, right, guys? Like, yeah. aren't droids funny when they're, like, sort of human-like and wanted bone men? Well, <laughs> to me, it, it was similar to my criticisms that I felt for Thor Ragnarok and Justice League by comparison, both of them, is that they were movies that, like, tried to sprinkle in humor and, like, have a different kind of off-putting charm where they're just, like, throwaway jokes and stuff like that. But in a movie that is also asking us to take action seriously that balance is really hard to walk. And I don't feel like any of these movies, least of all Solo, pulled that off. I felt yeah. like the jokes just felt very left field. It, I, I don't want to trace it all to the history of the movie because I don't know what was Lord and Miller and what wasn't. Maybe it would have been the same movie if they finished it too. But it, it just feels like a movie that was partly trying to be fun and accessible and then partly just trying to like land the plane, you know, steer the ship, don't have anything crash and burn too hard. And that yeah. that middle road is just awkward to me and so, so we, we we can get into it after your review but basically i think the first half where we are introduced to all the characters really suffers from this problem i think when it veers into a kind of double crossy western where we already know the characters and we don't need to get any of those like winking callbacks i think it becomes a much better movie it, so far as to say i think the last 45 minutes of the movie are like pretty good like i was actually pretty happy with that part so that's my dilemma is I left on a high note, but I was like very unliking the movie for the first half of the runtime. 
Yeah. So I, I also, so first I'm going to make a random comment before I go into my spiel. Um, uh, the, there is, uh, so, so at some point in time, Solo is in a situation and the way he gets out of it is by joining the Imperial, like he wants to be a pilot. Mm. He can sign up for pilot school. And, but of course, like he can't just become a pilot. He has to go like be a grunt on the middle of this war. Mm -hmm. And the opening shot of you cutting from the one moment to that battle, there's a part where like the little, I don't know what they're called, the stupid Walker things, like it lands and it has real weight it feels like it's actually being dropped from a ship and landing on the ground and it moves. It doesn't feel like a weird like stop motion clanky thing or a big giant CG thing. It feels like this robot exists and like the chaos of that scene mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of like the the dropship scenes from like uh day after tomorrow and of tomorrow. Um and like when it started there I was like I'm in this shit. Like, that was great. That like, cut was great. That was the this. one time yeah, I was yeah. really excited in the beginning of the movie. That, that is the best scene in this whole movie. Um, now, now going back to like my 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 real review for this film. Um, I what what I don't like is when we get new Star Wars films and people make statements like this isn't the Luke that I know or like Luke wouldn't do that or this is so I don't want to get into a statement where I'm saying like this is not my Han Solo like that's not the argument I'm trying to make but this just doesn't feel super like this could like i would watch this film maybe a little bit differently if this was just space cowboy movie i would be like yeah that, that movie was kind of cool like mm-hmm. I, I i i enjoyed it enough i thought it was fun um but i think that like being a like canonical star wars film give me something to make me care about characters and i think mm-hmm. that this film does none of that like you can you can be like oh but wasn't lando cool like lando was like really awesome right like wasn't that awesome to have him there and you're like yeah Sure, for the thirty seconds he's in the goddamn movie, yeah. like he he is it, he he's not really he's not a foil for Han Solo. He's not like a a buddy buddy for Han Solo. He's not anything. He's just like a person who he sort of interacts with a few times to progress the story in other ways where they're going to be completely separate. And I think that like this film is doing a bunch of things. It's having people say names of or or show things that reference things in Star Wars. In, in some of the most ham-fisted ways, too. I think those are almost all the worst parts of the movie. Yeah, and it's like none of that adds to making a better film, so don't have it. You mm-hmm. could have had this be just a movie of, like, Aladdin meets, like, Cowboy Bebop or something, right? Like, just, like, th- just this, this thing where it's just, like, this, this little, like, street urchin guy who's going off and then becomes this cool, like, badass, like, space western guy who's just going around, like, beep, 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 stealing stuff and having fun. Mm-hmm. And then at the very, very end, have something happens that, like, suddenly slams him into this whole world that he actually will become later. You know, set up another movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just spend a movie being its own little self-contained story and have it end with him trying to actually be like, oh, maybe I should go. Maybe he finds out or gets the, the job for the Kessel Run at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So then we go, oh, the next movie will be the Kessel Run, right? Like, you can do all these things where it's like, just make a good film and have it also be in the Star Wars universe rather than a film that's completely uh, dependent on you getting all the references in it. And I think that for me, watching the film, I sort of just thought it was fun. I, I love a heist film. This is a film about heists, right? The film opens with, like, a heist gone wrong having just happened and he's like oh shit i'm in trouble 
I'll pull an even bigger job for you, and that'll get me better. And then it's just it's a series of escalating scenarios, which should be cool. Yeah. I I love this kid who's getting into trouble and has to do heists. Uh, like Chappy, yeah, it's 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 Chappy that's already alive and isn't worried about his battery going out. Like this film could have been easily, easily very, very good. And I think that instead, what we get is a film that's just fine mm-hmm. that I literally give two shits about. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. About about this made me care not him getting a ship not him getting his gun not him getting his hairy friend not him getting his name not him getting anything that he gets nothing about this story made me go like you know what that was cool there are some visual things i like i like the weird uh stand in for job of the hut the weird worm lady from the pool that was super cool i really like that uh i i think the droid thing was cool cool fine whatever huh. yeah, do it like i mean there's some dumb stuff that happens during the kessel run i really hate the try where they try to retcon the like explaining why it's distance and not time um <laughs> like all, like they just try to do so much that like i'm just like but you didn't even have nobody asked you to do that stuff mm-hmm. just take a charismatic person give him the stupid vest and give him a ship and have him do heists and, and to me that <laughs> that's what's stuff. weird about this too is it it wasn't needed. Like there are things like the dice that I just feel like nobody was asking for. You know, nobody needed to know all that yeah. stuff. Uh, the Castle Run is a good example where, to me, like everyone is pointing to the moment where Han gets his last name as being like the example of the clunky little callback. Right? I feel like one of the clunkiest moments in the movie is right after the Castle Run. It's not a spoiler to say they do it because you know we've seen the movies yeah. that come after. Though it's hinted in the movies that come after that he's lying about it, um, but anyway, is we, it or is that people like trying to pull at like least a blade runner else and reverse acting, engineer? Yeah, including Jedi's are acting like he's lying, and they you know they know something. But but, but anyway, <laughs> do they <laughs> in, in in this movie they do they do it, um, and they they land, and he goes, "I just completed the castle run in less than twelve parsecs," and it's like, why? Why would you say that right now? Like. Is it just to have a line that perfectly mirrors what Han said in the original trilogy? Like, it it just seems weird. And I don't know if a different, maybe more charismatic lead could pull off those lines. But the problem is, the no, person you you're cannot. imitating... Yeah, the person you're imitating, Harrison Ford, is all about, like, having a kind of understated swagger and I don't give a shit. And that just... That just isn't, like, it, a character that can deliver big, bombastic lines like that. And, and it's just a weird combination and here's the thing i'm gonna say something controversial i don't think harrison ford is a good actor no it's not controversial <laughs> nobody thinks he's a good he's a so good action star I, but he's not a good actor i think that the reason he was good at han solo is because that was just him he didn't care he didn't care about the role he was doing just like han solo doesn't care about the jobs he's doing like mm-hmm. it just fit it's like keanu reeves right mm-hmm. like keanu reeves like i mean he's a charismatic dude but he's also sort of just like he like the reason he was so perfect as Neo is because he like is whoa he he just is that guy right, <laughs> like, so it, it it's like Harrison Ford is just that type of guy, and then this dude like I don't even need you to be Harrison Ford, just be fucking cool, yeah, and you weren't, <laughs> or be more bright eyed like that. That's the weird thing to me is the the sort of character that would become the Harrison Ford Han Solo. He seems like world weary. I don't care anymore. You know. I'm not going to get attached. I'm not going to get invested in things. I feel like there's no reason for you to start that way when you're showing like a young lad in yeah. the prequels. Like he could be a much more wide-eyed, 
charismatic, enthusiastic person who isn't too cool for anything. He could be Star-Lord, right? Like, I, I feel like that. <laughs> I, I, I felt a lot of comparisons with Marvel movies in this as to, like, what this could have been. And he could easily be that because he's, you know, going around doing, doing space heists. Yeah. He's young and enthusiastic. He believes in himself very strongly. You could have him, like, believe in himself more than he is able to achieve, which this movie doesn't really do it kind of just decides no. he's going to be very very competent and that'll just be a random thing that's also but true he doesn't even feel very competent in anything like so look at when when ray first gets on board the millennium falcon in uh the, the friggin uh the force awakens like when she first gets there and she's like i i if i junk scrapper things i could i could pilot this thing i could do whatever because i'm super super smart i'm gonna do it and she's like oh shit and she's learning it and she's doing things like when you see her interact with that ship she instantly has a love for the thing that she's on knowing what especially when she realizes what the ship is later on mm-hmm. when she meets older Han Solo and she's like what this is the Millennium Falcon and she's like boom why? like exactly as you said like wide eyed super excited like she is basically uh, freaking Tom Holland as Spider-Man right mm-hmm. where she's like oh my god I'm piloting this freaking ship yeah. and then but this Han Solo is like, eh, I just need a ship because i got to go back and get my girlfriend from the planet. Um, uh, can I, like, play you in a hand of cards and get your ship? Cool. Uh, uh, I have the ship now. Isn't that cool? Like, there's never a point where he's like, you know what? This is a pretty nice ship. I'm glad I have it. He's just like, I'm glad I have a ship. It could be any ship, though. I don't really care. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just, it just there's – there is no – like – he spends the first 20 minutes of the film, which you've acknowledged are not that great, mm-hmm. uh, or as shitty as you called it. Yeah. Um, he spends the whole time thinking, like, all I want to be is a pilot. Then he gets to be a fucking pilot, and he's not like, oh, my God, I'm a pilot. He, he could be freaking uh, Finn, right? Mm-hmm. He could be like, oh, I'm on a ship with Poe Dameron. This yeah. is so amazing. But instead he's like, um, I mean, just push the lever and go like, uh that, that's we're the thing. in trouble he's, for a moment. He's uh. cocky from the get-go, and I just don't think cocky is a good look on like a young, a young kid becoming the hero that will eventually know. But do you? So, so let me ask you this: Do you actually think he's cocky, or do you think he is just dumb? Like, I, I think he is. He is playing a character who is not so cocky that like he he knows they're going to get out of trouble. He doesn't realize they're in trouble. Mm. Like. Like, in that scene, it's not like he pulls an awesome maneuver and then goes like, well, thought we were in trouble there for a minute, and then like, oh! It's like a thing where he's just like, oh, things are fine, right, guys? Everything's fine. Is something cool. Like, oh, my God! Like, it's, yeah. it's just, he feels like a completely oblivious person who doesn't care that he's getting to fly what is supposed to be like an amazing ship um, and doesn't really care about anything other than getting back to his girlfriend, which is fine. Maybe that's en- enough motivation for him. Maybe mm-hmm. that's totally fine. But, like, he doesn't even do that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, I just don't... I... I it, it just... Also, like, there's lots of heist films where it's like, we just gotta get enough money to get out of here. And this is like, we just gotta get this one object that is exactly the amount of money that we need and then we're going to get rid of all of what we have to get like, and it just it just feels constructed poorly in a way where it's like I don't feel like this is a bunch of people going on adventures I just feel like this is like follow this character that's supposed it's it's almost like he tra- he he time traveled back in time and he's just trying to not screw up his timeline he's like I just got to do all the things that I yeah. knew I did 
because then I'll end up to be Han Solo. But if I mess anything up, so it's just like him, he has the almanac of all his achievements. Yeah. And he's just like, oh shit, it's a Kessel Run time. Uh, I don't know what I did. I guess that do explains this. everything. That explains why he's not worried. It explains why he never shows that much emotion. He's just like, yeah, and, and we'll just do this now. And there we go. We're fine. I, I, I think I solved it. Yeah. Yeah, you did it. So I do want to praise the movie because, as I said before, I think <laughs> I think half of this movie is, like, not very good. And it gets better as it goes along. Like, it's weird because I'm sure it wasn't filmed chronologically, but it feels almost like it was. Like, it feels like people get, get into the swing of things the longer the runtime goes on. Um, for instance, I think... Pretty much everything after and including the castle run, I think, is really good. Um, I, I, yeah, okay, okay. I, I think the best part of the castle run is the visuals of the imperial blockade, mm. like where they're like, "What's that? Oh fuck!" <laughs> like that. That was cool. Mm-hmm. That like that was just it, it was it was iconic star destroyer or whatever the hell it is. I don't know all the ship's names because whatever. Uh, like, but it was just a very awesome piece of imagery and then everything else was like see what you're doing there see i i liked it and my i had that same feeling that you're describing for the kessel run in the first heist that we're discussing that was a thing that felt like it had the cadence of a fun thing i should have been invested in and i was just like i don't really follow the action i don't totally get the stakes right now i i guess they're stealing a thing and it's being foiled like that was very stilted to me that was part of the movie where i was sitting there like why am i watching this i don't i don't have any reason to be invested in this yeah why Um, are the fallen from destiny here it's just super i I think there's there's a moment i don't know what is a spoiler and what isn't even but there there's a thing that gets started by phoebe waller bridge's character and i think from that moment on i was like slowly warming up to everything in the movie where i was like look i i like this I like this action. You, you mean the movement? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just making sure I was yeah, on the yeah. same page as the thing that she starts. I, I, li- I like the action here. Characters are starting to be playful in a way that doesn't feel like calling back to the trilogy. It just feels like playful characters getting their own moment to shine. And it it all just kind of started to work for me. I think um, after the Castle Run is when this basically becomes a Western. It becomes like a series of... I don't want to say too much to spoil. It has a lot of the cadences of a Western movie where it's like, you know, every man for himself. What are we going to do? How are we going to get ourselves out of this position? I think all that was really well done. I like uh, Paul Bettany as a villain in this movie. I think he's pretty good, actually. Do you – okay. Do you like the idea of his character or do you like what they did? Because – I like what they did except for the weird face effect that they do sometimes. uh, Yeah. I just – I was – so why? So why, why, why? <laughs> mm. I I also, I did not, at the beginning, like the uh, central romance with Amelia Clark's character. That, just because it felt like she didn't get to be a character. You know, she was just an idea. She's a Wikipedia entry that he grew up with this person. End of entry. Um, <laughs> but I think she, while I don't fully understand her, even by the end of the movie, I think she gets more interesting in the latter half of the movie and i liked i liked the rapport that she has with alden ehrenreich i actually kind of like kind of believed that back and forth in a very western way again of like are they or aren't they it it felt kind of like mission impossible like like you never really know 
what terms people are on. They're kind of quipping with each other and they're maybe seducing each other, but everyone is also playing chess on their own. And I, I, I like that. I thought that worked pretty well. Um, that's almost all the praises I can say. I didn't, I, I thought Woody Harrelson was fine. He's always, he's always Woody Harrelson and stuff. I, I, I think I he's like, great. Like, I, think, I liked him I think, and I think his outro is like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I think that this is once again, another role where he's not just a drunkard. Like mm-hmm. he's, He's a cool character, and I would watch the spinoff with his character yeah. if we could just go back in time and have like him and Tandy Newton like going around he felt like, a trying little to too do similar stuff. to Yandu in uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy to me, but I'm still fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot similar. I feel bad for Tandy Newton because like she does, you know, what she can in this movie, but they just don't give her anything. I mean. Her main arcs happened during those scenes in the movie where I said, like, I couldn't be compelled to care at all. Yeah. And, and that's and, a shame because I know she's interesting. And, you know, she'd probably be interesting in droid-related things. I kind of have a feeling that would be true. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Western involving robots, I feel like she's done it already. So. Uh, dro- droid-related things where, like, some people in that universe are swinging swords around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, another thing I'll say is there are, there are two card scenes in this movie, uh, featuring Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian. Obviously they are callbacks to the old story that is in the trilogy that Han won the Millennium Falcon in a game of card that I can't remember because yeah, I don't, I don't care enough. Sanko or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pachenko. Yeah, Pachenko. <laughs> Um, and I thought those scenes were shot in a very cool way. I thought the settings were cool. It was lively. It felt more like the Star Wars universe I'm used to. It felt like there's lots of different characters there, and it's bright and playful, and the, like, the quipping between the two kind of egotistical main characters there was fun and playful, and, like, the dynamic of it was good. I I liked those a lot more than I liked most of the movie. (laughs) Um, and I, and I think too in those scenes going back to like like I, I think Amelia Clark was was great in this film and I think that she adds to those interactions because she's had experience with Lando and she is sort of like hey I know this guy you might be able to get your ship if you go like play cards against him but she like she like you can tell she, she knows, knows that Lando's probably gonna win or definitely should we be winning she might even be and trying to like, take him down a peg yeah yeah no exactly like like she has this like this look in her eye that she communicates so well where she's like she's like yep that's Lando for you mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's like I think she sells their interactions almost more than they sell it themselves um I mean Donald Glover's awesome like I mm-hmm. like him uh but I but I think that like he isn't given enough time to work that character out on screen, but like Amelia Clark does a bunch of heavy lifting to act like you see through her eyes the stuff that we don't get to see with him off screen. Like it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you understand there's this like backstory and a history, and we he's know been that doing Baba Yaga stuff. matters because of the way everyone else refers to them. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was. I think this is like a weird criticism to make, but. I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that this movie was very visually dark. And maybe it's because I saw it in 3D, which don't see it in 3D. No, yeah. So I, I only did because that was the only showing that like fit my schedule. <laughs> um, but 3D plus dark cinematography, like uh, Bradford Young is, is known for doing dark stuff where he kind of like plays with the limits of shadows and everything. I found 
much of this movie, especially toward the beginning, to be almost impossible to see in any meaningful way to make stuff out. So by comparison, the indoor shots where things are bright and interesting colors are happening, the indoor shot at the club where they're meeting uh, the big boss man for the first time, the indoor shots at the poker games, things like that, I liked those so much more than I liked most of the outdoor shots, yeah. if only because I could see the action for once. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that, uh, like, I, I saw it in 2D. Um, I didn't know when I was going to see it, and, like, I just found one seat that was available, and I booked mm. that, and I was like, I was like, okay, one seat, reserved, 2D showing, got this. Um, and Julius messaged me, too, and he's like, dude, don't see it in 3D. It's so dark. So, I mean, you're, you're, okay, the, yeah. Yeah, you're not the first person who said that. But I was, like, I was trying to think back, and I was like, no, I feel like there was, like, especially in the opening scene when they're in the whenever the hell city he comes from is called, like, in, like, the blue, yeah. when, when they're, like, everybody's scared of light. So, like, literally all the lights are blocked out, and it just, it's incredibly dark. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and to me, that was... That really kind of tainted the opening of the movie because the movie started and I was like, oh no, oh no, I can't, I can't see this. Is this all going to feel like, it feels like television, you know, like it, it feels wrong to me somehow. It felt like, it, it felt like it was dark, but the brightness was still cranked up in that like <laughs> worst of all worlds way. I, I mean, it got better when we're on the desert planet or in the snow planet, like situations where there's more inherent brightness to the scene. It was fine, but yeah, don't see it in 3D. It's. I for all I know I would have liked it like a whole rating more if I saw it in 2D. <laughs> I mean probably that's, not. I know. I mean that it just that's a it left such a bad taste in my mouth. Like when I say the first half was shit, I think partly it was like from the get go I was in a bad mood watching the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Besides like the space scenes, I'm trying to think of like a lot of the stuff that's just like people standing really close to each other, like not exciting scenarios that would mm-hmm. lend themselves greatly to 3D. This is more the type of movie where like they should pause the movie and go, now put on your 3D glasses. And then it goes into like Millennium Falcon flying around and like yeah. doing flips and stuff. And they're like, and now remove them. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. It's normally a compliment for me to say that I don't remember the 3D element. But here I feel like because 3D obviously detracted from the visual feel, like it definitely makes bright things not look as bright anymore. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a criticism that I, honest to God, don't remember 3D happening in this movie. I just remember being like a little bit annoyed that the screen was dark. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I don't... This isn't a movie that has a lot to say about, you know? Like I'm trying to even remember what happens in the movie. It's very... <laughs> Come on, Steven, you know exactly what happens. There's a boy, and he steals some, like, stupid thing, and then he uses that stupid thing to get off the world, but then he has to go into the stupid army. I think I would rather watch a movie that's just you staring at a camera in, like, a black turtleneck in a a room with just a spotlight on you, and you're just like, all right, listen here. There's a boy. His name is Han. We don't know his last name yet. Yeah, Yeah, then it really would be solo a Star Wars story because it'd be just me alone (laughs) telling a story about Star Wars. Yeah. But I don't know. I do – I don't, by criticizing this, want to imply that, like, I dislike the idea of it. Like, I love the idea of having a movie that is an offshoot, that isn't a part of the trilogies, that isn't as serious as the trilogies, that gets to be a, like – summer blockbuster that gets to be something different all great like i'm really curious about lord and miller's version of this movie honestly after seeing it i don't know how it would have been good hopefully it would have been better than this but i just think there's like structural problems with this movie from conception that make it hard for it to be a great movie i i hope they keep doing experiments like this and trying different genres in the star wars universe but this one just feels half-baked 
it feels like it feels worse than Ant-Man to me. And it's similar to Ant-Man in the story of how it got made. But I think like Ant-Man, at least I had, I had fun with, like I enjoyed Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe mostly because Michael Pena. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that there are things in that, that at least are interesting. And I think that this is put it this way. When they eventually carry these, this film on further, I care less about having more of a trilogy of young Han Solo and more about, um, a character that we meet along the way and also about Lando. Like I'll watch yeah. a Lando movie, um, but I hope it's not supposed to be anything other than freaking Lando doing cool stuff. <laughs> like that's yeah. what I want. Yeah. I, so because I mentioned the movie ended on a high note to me, I, I liked the way it stuck the landing. I thought the, the main climax was cool. I thought the little after shots were cool too. It kind of struck a much more, comfortable easy humor than it had for the rest of it i was kind of thinking like i don't know if they're going to make another one because this isn't getting great box office numbers or anything but if they do i'll watch it like well at the at the very least we know that if they did make another one if they stick to the plan from the beginning it will cost them half as much as this one did <laughs> because they wouldn't have to shoot it twice yeah so i think that like there is ways they can continue on and potentially make uh, less of a mistake budget-wise. Yeah, um, yeah but... I'll go on the record and say I would I would happily watch the sequel to this movie, even though I didn't really like this one. Yeah. I, just because I feel like they would have learned their lesson and the characters are a little more well-defined. They'll be in the groove. They'll know, hey, we don't have any other things to call back to, so we might as well just tell our own story. And I feel like it would be better for that. Yeah. And I, so I will say, like, I don't, I don't think we need to do a spoiler section just so I can make the statement. So I'm going to, like, beat around the bush a little bit here. But I don't think this film sticks the landing. I hate, 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 hate the ending of this film. I know, I know the thing you're talking about. I just don't care about that there, aspect of it. No, you, I don't think you know the thing. There, there is a, a character makes a move on screen only for the audience. The person that it affects has no clue what's happening. And to me, it's so less impactful than like it's 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 not even ambiguous. It's just nothing to like another character, and it's like it's supposed to be meaningful. But it's only like we, the audience, are the only people that know anything about what's going on in the scene. So it's like there's no context for the people who aren't in that room. Sure, that the, that been. whole aspect of the scene, I just didn't care about, yeah, including the. I'll, I'll say cameo. I think that's fine. That doesn't give too much away. <laughs> Obviously, didn't care about that, but it didn't bother me either. It's like, sure, that's just a thing I didn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the turns that happened there. I I liked the shape of that. Like, it felt in keeping with this sort of movie where, like, it doesn't need to be that well-motivated. It's just, like, a thing that's going to be a launching point for future adventures. And that but, was fine with me. That felt a... episodic. I didn't, I didn't care. But that's the thing that. is... You're launching it without telling any of the characters you're launching it. Yeah, but it would you're be telling like, us. That's fine. We don't know who else in the Marvel Universe is watching the post credit scenes, but we still like see the launch of the next movie from that and get interested. But but those post credit scenes are supposed to tell the audience what's coming next, not be a warning for the people who aren't in the post credit scenes about the future of their life, right? Mm. Like it's 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 a, it's just one of those things where like I'm trying to figure out like a way I can do like a dumb analogy for it. Um where like if if I go have dinner tonight and I don't invite you to dinner, 
and you don't even know that I went to dinner, what do you fucking care? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> we had this argument already. I'm sorry. I'll invite you next time. Okay, Chris? <laughs> but no, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't have, you can't affect a person moving forward mm-hmm. if they weren't even a part of a conversation about what's not even happening. Sure, but it, it it's fine. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still like that whole bit, and I really like the way the Woody Harrelson arc goes no, if, in, that, if, in that timeline. If, that really just left me with a smile on my face, if like, Woody hell ha- yeah, you nailed it. If Woody, That was executed perfectly. But yeah, no, no, I mean, that, that yeah, his, his, his arc, I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that if that was the ending, that was executed perfectly. But that's not the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. Also, don't you feel like the introduction of Chewbacca is extremely Thor Ragnarok reminiscent. Uh, <laughs> to me, it felt like, exactly you, like you, the introduction of Hulk in Thor Hulk? Ragnarok. Yeah. I mean, it's not because the Hulk already knew who Thor was, and Chewie doesn't know who Chewie, uh, Chewie doesn't know who Chewbacca is. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's. It, I feel like it has like a very similar. Sure, somebody tone. comes out of a hole. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, is, you don't think like it is not, the mystery of the grand warrior that has done so much damage and then revealing who it is for the audience to be surprised and then striking up a camaraderie that winds up. I don't like I don't want to spoil too much, but I feel like if you like wrote that on paper, it's like, oh, hey, that's the exact same plot of like the first act in thor ragnarok i mean yeah when you when you define thor ragnarok in that way sure they sound the same (laughs) but i think i think like the context for those scenes are so wildly different that like it's yeah okay beat to the beast (laughs) i think you're gonna not know where i am for dinner tomorrow night too if you keep up this tone Uh, (laughs) we're both gonna be at the same place tomorrow <sighs> All right, should we get to uh, <laughs> we get to verdicts for this film? Nobody's listening anymore anyway. Why not? <laughs> Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? I can't even justify this anymore because I feel like in my memory, all I have are criticisms. But I know I left with a smile on my face still, so I'm gonna stick it down the middle and say it's a wait for rental for me. It didn't. I didn't love it. I think it has tons of problems uh, tonally. Uh, I think the pace is really strange. It It is the longest movie that feels too rushed, I can think of. Like, in the sense that, like, the runtime is not short by any means, but it feels like nothing has ever given enough time to matter. And yeah. that combination is very odd to me. But with that said, I think it sticks to the landing. I started to have fun once I, once I snapped into the movie a little bit more and stopped worrying about everything uh and just a little interesting side note joanna who is not very invested in the star wars universe at all like not enough to have cared about the like callbacks to things she actually like liked it a fair amount so i almost think not seeing the strings in all of the like heavy-handed references they're throwing out maybe helps the movie (laughs) because instead it just becomes like a western where you're like oh yeah that guy but like you don't (laughs) (laughs) you, you don't really like 
get that they're dropping like specific sentences that are just like shoehorned in to fit the original trilogy. I so so I I believe that she may that she may have liked it, but I feel that like those shoestring things are like you know if you go back to our reviews of the Harry Potter films, I kept making the statement that it was like I feel like this moment was something for people who read the books and I didn't, but I feel like they're taking way too long at the end of the sentence for me to not go like, aha, yeah. this is whatever, right? Like, and, and I feel like subconsciously she had to feel like that was a really awkward moment. What was the point of that? Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, oh, because that's, that, that's this thing and that's going to be important later when this happens and five mm-hmm. movies later or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I think it's hard to avoid all, those. All I know is she liked it more than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked it less than both of you. Um, but no, so I, as I've said already, I, I don't dislike this film. I just didn't like it. And I think that, like, I didn't hate myself during it. I enjoyed it enough. But it just, it, it, was, it was one of those films that made me just go, like, I don't know that this movie needed to be made. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it definitely didn't need to be made because all the things that it was made for are things that I like the least about the film. Yeah. Um, I still like the sandbox of this universe. I'm still in support of stories and 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 creators making things in the Star Wars universe. I like some of the characters. I just don't like a lot of the decisions about telling this narrative. So um, I'm 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 also going to give it a wait for rental. Um, I'm not going to like tell people to avoid it. It's just a thing that like I was I was whatever the version of disappointed like. Whatever the word is for disappointment without actual expectation, like just like kind of like mm, I mean, it was a thing that I watched and it's there. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't. I had that I had an ex- expectation that wasn't met. It's just that like I was like, I just, I just see that. I guess I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for our review of Solo, a Star Wars story. Stephen Miller, <laughs> people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com where I'm trying to do write-ups of all of the stuff at can, but just exhausting things like a Tahitian vacation has just made it so hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I'm, tr- I'm trying. Uh, T- Tahitian vacation is actually the name of that alien that lost in the first round of that card game. <laughs> <laughs> Tahitian uh, people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Solo: A Star Wars Story. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, we're still semi-transitioning back into the regular time frame of when episodes will come out. Uh, as Stephen mentioned, he will be off to Korea for a work trip. Yep. Um, so don't know when the next episode. It depends how bad jet lag is on Sunday late afternoon when I land. <laughs> we'll find out. This might not disrupt anything. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, we're, we're going to have Hereditary coming out soon. Yeah, I feel. Like, I feel like that will keep you awake when you land, no matter how tired you are. If that's scaring the shit out of you, Chris, I've, I've so much to see. I, I haven't seen Deadpool two, sure, sure, but I never saw A Quiet Place. I never saw You Were Never Really Here. Um, I feel like there's like there's a ton of like things that I definitely wanted to see that yeah. I just haven't had time for. So th- 
either this is going to be like a rich streaming time a few months from now, or I got to get my shit together because it's getting tough. Yeah. I'm not going to see Korea. I'm just going to watch whatever movie is playing in theaters in Seoul <laughs> on my on my weekend. All right. Uh, well, I think we're going to take off, and uh, we will see you whenever we see you. And by see you, I mean you'll hear us. <laughs> Do you think Bora Bora or Morea sounds like more of a Star Wars planet? <laughs>